from the corner of 16th and Peachtree Street, right next to the High Museum of Art in Midtown Atlanta. Welcome to the First Presbyterian Church. I'm Senior Pastor Tony Sundermeyer, and I want to thank you for tuning in to today's broadcast. And I would invite you now to join us in the worship of God. Good morning. My name is Jeff Irby. I'm currently serving on the session as an elder here at First Presbyterian Church. Would you please join me in our call to worship? Come, all who thirst, come to the water. You who long for the water of life, come and drink. Dip your soul in the river of God's goodness. Quench your thirst at God's well of grace. For God is here among us, offering living water to all who drink. Let us worship God together.
Good morning. Please turn with me to Job chapter 38, verses 1 through 18, which can be found on page 458 in your Pew Bibles. Listen and hear the word of the Lord. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind, Who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Gird up your loins like a man. I will question you, and you shall declare to me. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me, if you have understanding, who determined its measurements? Surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it? On what were its bases sunk? Or who laid its cornerstone? When the morning stars sang together and all the heavenly beings shouted for joy. Or who shut in the sea with doors when it burst out from the womb? When I made the clouds its garment and thick darkness its swaddling band and prescribed bounds for it and set bars and doors and said, thus far you shall come and no farther. And here shall your proud waves be stopped. Have you commanded the morning since your days began and caused the dawn to know its place so that it might take hold of the skirts of the earth? and the wicked be shaken out of it. It is changed like clay under the seal, and it's dyed like a garment. Light is withheld from the wicked, and their uplifted arm is broken. Have you entered into the springs of the sea or walked in the recesses of the deep? Have the gates of death been revealed to you, or have you seen the gates of deep darkness? Have you comprehended the expanse of the earth? Declare if you know all of this. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Good and gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of each of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. We have a lot to celebrate today. 
As Margaret talked about, many first graders and second graders will receive communion after having learned what it means. And we all are invited to participate in this feast that God prepared for us to remember Christ's death and resurrection until Christ comes again. We are together, gathered as a family of faith, hearing and proclaiming good news for you and me and us. And it's Sunday. And on Sundays, we celebrate the resurrection, the promise of our Lord that death is not the final answer, but love. We could focus on these things exclusively, or we could look beyond those things to see something else. Virus outbreaks, poverty, disease, overwhelming pain and paralyzing grief, corrupt systems and an imbalance of power and privilege, racism and xenophobia, anti-human rhetoric from politicians and death and destruction by ISIS. Everywhere we look, there's good and there's bad and there's everything in between because light and darkness go together. That's life, that's the gospel, and that's God. God is light, and in God there is no darkness at all, the author of 1 John writes. That's what we'd like to think, right? That God is light, and in God there is no darkness at all. And we'd have substantial evidence to prove it. The psalmists write, the Lord is my light and salvation, Psalm 27, and thy light is a lamp unto my feet and a light on my path, Psalm 119. The author of Isaiah proclaims the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness on them light has shined. And then there's the fourth gospel and its promise that the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. And then John quotes Jesus saying, I am the light of the world. Whomever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. We pray God will be a lamp unto our feet and a light on our path, yet that's not always how God appears. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind, who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Gird up your loins like a man and I will question you and you shall declare to me. Friends, when God appears in a dark cloud and calls you a coward, you know it's about to get real. But that's not how Job begins. Job begins in the light. Job begins as one who is blameless and upright, one who feared God and turned away from evil. 
Job is the father of 10 children and the owner of thousands of oxen and cattle and sheep and donkeys and several servants. Job's children take turns hosting dinner parties and just in case they're a bit excessive, Job offers burnt offerings on his children's behalf. All the while, Job dutifully and prayerfully worships God. Then things change. Within minutes, Job receives word that some of his animals were stolen or killed, that his servants were slaughtered, and that his children died together under one roof in a great wind. Well, that's a sentence. Within minutes, Job learns that his animals, his servants, and his children are completely gone. Before Job can even catch his breath or begin to comprehend what he heard, he has leprosy. So there he is, isolated and alone, scratching and scraping at sores all over his body, sitting on a dung heap, searching for answers. Why, God? Why? Job's friends visit him and try to offer some encouragement or advice, but what on earth could you say to someone who's endured all that? Lord knows we may try, but our words and our wisdom will always fall short because we don't know what we don't know and you can't talk your way out of tragedy upon tragedy like that. At one point, Job says he remembers when God watched over him, when God's lamp shone over his head and by God's light, he walked through darkness. Yet that's not where we find Job here. We find Job blown away by the whirlwind, by the dark cloud that contains the light and wisdom he seeks. Light and darkness, darkness and light, joy and suffering, death and resurrection, heaven and earth, good and evil, it's all there, it's all here. We needn't look farther than the dark clouds in our own lives to see it. But we wrestle. We wrestle with the darkness. We wrestle with the dark nights of our own souls. We wrestle with the darkness when we seek an illuminating light, when we have questions that may not have conclusive answers. We wrestle with not knowing how we'll cope with the dark storms in our lives. Yet the good news is that God appears in those dark clouds and speaks. The limits of our human knowledge meet a God who knows us and loves us and calls us by name who lays the foundations of the earth, who determines its measurements, who makes the clouds, the seas close and swaddles them in darkness, who causes the sun to rise, who enters into the springs of the sea and walks in the recesses of the deep, who's seen the gates of death and deep darkness. 
This God, this God who comprehends the expanse of the earth appears in a dark cloud and asks Job to declare if he knows all this. But he can't. We can't because we have prescribed bounds. God prescribes bounds, not just for the sea, but for human knowledge. Thus far you shall come and no farther, God says. For when we stand on the precipice of human knowledge, we find God. We find God in a dark cloud responding to our questions with questions of God's own. God's questions sound a bit different than ours or Job's, though. God's questions remind us that no matter how wise or knowledgeable we may be, or want to be, or think we are, there are some things we'll never know. Period. Some things we'll just have to rely on faith. Some things we'll have to admit when questioned that we don't know that we can't comprehend or understand. And while that not knowing may be hell, while that not knowing may tear us up inside, while that not knowing may feel like we're in the dark, that not knowing is just as God designed us to be. God wants us to need God, and sometimes we pretend we don't. That's why we wrestle. We wrestle with not knowing and with an all-knowing God. And what a holy struggle it is. So we wrestle. We wrestle with God, with our parents, with our children, with our colleagues, with our classmates, with our partners, with our friends, and even ourselves. We wrestle with not knowing, with not knowing how we'll get through the dark clouds in our lives, how we'll push through a rough spot in our marriage, or how we'll cope with death or dying, how we'll manage our kids' schedules, or how we'll get through our next exam, or how we'll find another job, how we'll meet our partner, or how we'll find our purpose or how we'll get through the week with the myriad of responsibilities and commitments before us. Yet that's not the whole story. There's good with the bad and light where there is darkness. They aren't so distinct. God is light and God appears in darkness. God appears in those dark clouds in the darkest storms of our lives and speaks. God reveals new things to us and reminds us that God is the creator, redeemer, and sustainer through every storm we face. So though we wrestle, may we resist the temptation to silence that darkness because in that darkness, God speaks. Amen.
May you leave this place knowing that light and darkness go together. And though we may wrestle with the darkness, God appears in that darkness and speaks. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, go in peace. Amen.